This is Coffee Chug, and today I want to introduce another amazing interview that I had with author Allison Edwards. This is a really good episode. You're going to gain some tips on how to help either your own child or other students in your classroom deal with anxiety and help kind of understand the different types of anxiety that, that exist. And so I hope that you really take some time to listen to what she has to say. I highly recommend reading her book. It's a book that I found very helpful, not only as an educator, but also as a parent. Before I give you that interview that I have with Allison, I just want you to remember that if you like these podcasts and and you like what you hear, please like them and support them on on iTunes. It greatly helps kind of spread the word there a little bit so other people can check it out. And don't forget that season three starts here in about a month and we're going to be focusing on teachers so if there's a teacher that's doing some amazing things that you think their voice needs to get out and be heard make sure you go to my website coffee for the brain look at episode 26 of the podcast to learn more information about that so you can spread the word so enough about that let's get into allison and her book why smart kids worry everyone, this is Coffee Chug, and welcome to episode 26 on Living on the Edge of Chaos uh, podcast series. Uh, today, we have an amazing um, author and person who is doing some amazing work um, in her latest book, Why Smart Kids Worry. And if you're able to see, if you're watching from the video perspective, obviously, if you're listening to audio, you won't see it, but the link to the book is in the show notes. Um, but the book I'll hold up here on my screen is Why Smart Kids Worry. And what parents can do to help. So, uh, Allison, uh, thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk to me today. So, why don't we start out for those that maybe don't know who you are? Why don't you kind of explain uh, who you are and uh, what you do? Okay. Uh, I am a child second therapist, and I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And I spend my day working with smart, anxious kids in therapy and giving them tools and um, and more recently, the parents' tools on how to help their kids. And I think one of the things when I when I came across your book, one of the things that I think makes this book so powerful is that you focus not only on the kid but also on the parents. Um, and I think both of those are are two very very important issues, um, especially when it comes to anxiety and stress and things of that nature. One to help kids develop those skills to kind of cope with with those issues, but then on the flip side. 
Um, I know from a, from a parent angle, sometimes as, as parents, you, you feel helpless in, in terms of, of helping your, your child. And so um, maybe to take one step back from that is how did you find yourself heading down this path of looking at um, kids and um, in, the, in the case of your book, smart kids, but then coming across that, that anxiety and uh, stress topic? definition of um, what you consider a smart kid and I, I really fell in love with the definition um, kind of my backstory is I taught sixth grade social studies and literature for for five years and then I moved into the gifted education realm uh, for five years before taking on this this new job as an instructional coach and it was amazing working with the gifted world and seeing things through that lens how many misconceptions there are um, about what we would consider smart or gifted or, or any of those labels. But your definition, you state uh, that a smart kid is the ability to take ideas and skills to the next level. And that really, really stood out to me. And I look at it from both a parent and, and an educator point of view um, because I think it opens itself up to, to looking at kids in a, a multitude of ways and not just landlocking them, um, I guess, from the education level of just data points, um, which don't always paint the whole picture of a of a kid. And so how did you craft that definition? Like what, what, what kind of sparked you to want to come up with, I guess, a new definition of what a smart kid is? touch on what I think is, is, is a pretty hot topic, um, and you talk about natural ability and how natural ability can, can override hard work, and I know that as a society, and I know as a, an educator, and I know that I've made this statement a thousand times about if you just work hard enough, just work harder, work harder, work harder, um, but there is that, that, that sense of reality where sometimes people are just given a gift, a talent. Um, that no matter how hard you work, you, you can't attain. I mean, I, 
I played basketball my whole life, and no matter how hard I work, you know, I'm never going to be the LeBron James or, or, or Kobe Bryant. It's just not in my genetic makeup, unfortunately, uh, because I couldn't jump more than about four inches off the ground. Um, and so as you share those ideas, uh, both in the book and maybe when you're out speaking and talking with people, do you ever get any um, – I don't want to call it heat, but do, do people argue that thought with you or do, they, or do you find people agreeing? Because I think it's, it's something that people don't like to talk about. I almost feel like it's taboo that we just say if you have, you know, but it's also reality, you know. And so I, I was just curious. That's more of a, a personal curiosity question is do people respond to that or, or, or not really? They do. They do. And I, I think um, you're on something. They, they do respond to it often negatively with, you know, we like to talk about we're an effort society. So a lot of parents are saying, we don't care about what your grades are, we just want the effort to be there. But if, if your effort is not, you don't have to put a lot into it, but you get A's, why why stay up till you know, past 10 o'clock? Because I'm going to get a 99, why do it? And so I tell parents, they have a point. <laughs> What's the, if yes. you can get away with it, society rewards that, and they're being rewarded. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that, that is something that a sticking point for sure. Yeah, I, I love that. And you have you also touch on another idea, and that's what I love about this book is you you touch on a lot of key ideas that I, that I think are pressing issues that need to be brought to the forefront more and more in this book. Um, and you also talk about the whole issue of, of homework, um, and you've kind of alluded that to, to that already. If you already have the con- concepts and you haven't mastered, why do I need to keep? pushing myself in, in something, you know, and, and I think some of that leads into, I think, I think the culprit of, or not the culprit of the book, but the kind of the theme of the book, which is how do we deal with this anxiety and stress, you know, what's causing it, and then when we're feeling it, how do we kind of come to terms with it? Um, and for those that haven't read the book, you kind of talk about that there's different types of anxiety, um, so for those that haven't listened, can you give just kind of a, a brief description on, on what you see as those different types of anxiety? So there's, if you look at any of, if you Google anxiety, you're going to come up with, you know, six, seven, eight, depends on what you're Googling, um, types of anxiety. But I like to think of it in sort of two broad categories, and that people usually worry about people or they worry about things. And the reason that I, you know, set it up that way is because if we know what triggers us, then we have power. We, we feel like we can have some control. So what I would see is kids and adults, they either worry about what people think of them, not being good enough, measuring up to you know standards, or they worry about storms and natural disasters. And very few people worry about both. And when I found that to be true, I'm like, so you worry about things? And people are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I put this in the book, but I thought it was kind of an interesting analogy. It's like if you had to drive you know, through a rainstorm to give a speech, what would you worry about? The speech or the rainstorm. And for me, I know certainly, I don't care what's going on outside of the car. I'm thinking about getting there and not embarrassing myself. Right. But a lot of people would say, well, the storm, you know? And so I found these two camps of people. And when I started defining it in two broad categories, it was simple. Instead of going, is this OCD? Is this panic disorder? It's, you know, it's just easier to say, I worry about people. And that's going to be a trigger for me. And I need to work on that. Right. So that's kind of how I define it. And I love that. And I would definitely, uh, I'm in the same boat as you. If I, if I have a speaking engagement or a presentation, I'm not worried about anything but what I'm about to say. And hopefully I don't come across 
like an idiot, you know, so I'm a, oblivious to everything around me um, as I'm trying to get to that destination and, and, and hopes that I make an impact and survive. And what he, so what I loved about the book, and it, it hit me really um, on a parent level, um, is like I have my son has been dealing with a lot of anxiety. He, he's nine. And what you described, I, I felt like you were like bugging my house because he, the, the relational anxiety piece that you talk about is him completely to a T and it completely like opened my eyes to going, that's it. Like I see it, you know, and I think that's the power of the book. The, the benefit for a lot of parents to read this is because it helped kind of bring things into context. And it, you did a really nice job with that in terms of I was able to go, that is my son. Or, you know, and then my daughter is completely the opposite. She's not relational at all. Uh, and my third daughter, the youngest, just doesn't, I don't think, will ever have anxiety. She just, you know, life is whatever she wants to make it. Um, and the, the, I think the true power of this book, then, is you, you provide some tools in there. Um, and so I had my son sample the, the, the squared breathing. Um, and they're, they're very, very simple tools that he can use it. He actually just used it last week on a math test and he said it, it worked wonders. And so, um, it was amazing. So how did you, how did you come across these tools and how did you kind of figure out which tools, um, kind of work best and don't work and, and what was that process like? It was a long process, honestly. I mean, so is, you know, mindfulness is a hot topic and we want kids to be mindful. And what I found is I couldn't get kids to breathe. They just wouldn't do it because yeah. they're, you know, they're active. They're more, they want to play in my office, run around. And I'm like, no, listen here and breathe. And they're like, forget it. But what I would do is say, okay, I want, you know, let's breathe and let's count to four. And it sort of puts some structure to it because instead of just breathe, it's like we're going to do one round of this. And there's a completion part to it. And then they're counting at the same time. And then I'm making the connection with it's a square. Think of it as a square. So I was trying to get them to take a deep breath. And kids this is very foreign to them. They take a huge, and then that's the breath. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so it's been, now the breathing thing was a real challenge for me. Um, but square breathing works and they, they all do it. It's funny that this kid in class said, I know you work with my classmate because I saw him counting on his leg the other day during the <laughs> test. And I was like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so they can notice other kids doing it, which is really interesting. But um, the other tools, a lot of them just came sort of organically. Like a kid would say, I'm worried about the future, and I don't know what to do about that. And I would say, well, you've got too much on your plate. And then I would came up with brain plate, and right. we made a plate. And we, so a lot of it just happened, you know, from what they needed, and I created a tool with it, you know. But. Yeah. And you talked about mindfulness there, and that is, I feel like that's, that's becoming more and more uh, prominent in a lot of ideas. I was just reading um, a book. And I can't remember if he's a senator. He's in politics. Tim Ryan has a book on, on mindfulness and how he's trying to get um, mindfulness into all schools, helping kids, you know, with the breathing and kind of, you know, kind of calming the mind. Um, and I recently started trying to, to do some just basic meditation, which is just breathing exercises. And it's tough. It's, it's tough as, as an adult. I, I find my, myself completely out in left field in about three minutes. And so I can definitely see that struggle with kids. Um, is there a, a tool that since the book had been published that you wish would have been in there? I mean, there's so many amazing tools. And so as I was reading, I was like, man, I wonder what else. Cause I know like books are, you know, once they, once they hit that publication thing, you know, it's, it's, it's permanent. And uh, it's kind of like, there it is. 
Um, but since it's come out, I mean, are there other tools you wish you would have put in or tools that people have shared um, that you're like, ooh, that, you know, I need to mark that down? something that is the beauty that of your website where you do keep things updated and I'll make sure I, I put a link in the show notes so people can see that um, because that's where I came across you is, is through your website um, and actually uh, through I think you had something published through Ian Bird on his Birdseed TV yeah. or channel and that I and I think the, the brain plate was on there um, and it just got me it's it, it just, just a spiral so it goes that idea of sharing and, and how far it connects if we were to transition this conversation a little bit and we move away from maybe parents and just kids individually and looking at like for teachers or educators and here we are, we've got these classes of 25 to 30 kids and we had these kids with all these different types of anxiety, you know, and different types of stresses and, and things going on as an educator. I mean, what would be some things that we should be aware of or things that, maybe we could do to help with maybe reduce some of that stress or anxiety? Um, or is that even feasible when you see 30 kids all at once? I mean, it's one of those things where I read this and as a parent, it was awesome. Uh, with my kid, it's awesome. So then I'm like, okay, so what's the next step? You know, how do we help bridge to make the, the culture of learning a little less stressful and a little less anxiety driven? Um, so is there anything um, tips for like teachers or educators, you know, that that have all these elements in their class every single day, all day long. Yeah, well, I I think it's interesting. When I was a, I started out as a teacher, and um, I went to I had a practicum with a woman who played classical music all day in her classroom, and I remember thinking, this is exactly what I'm going to do because I would go to all these classrooms. It was a school, it was a training school, so you go into classrooms and you hear noise and you hear buzz and you hear. You know, which some of that's good. And then you walk into her classroom, and I was like, oh. and I remember thinking, that's what I'm going to do. And so when I was a teacher, I did that. And when I was a school counselor, I did that. So kids would come in and set a tone. And it's interesting now, I'll have kids say, my teacher plays music. It's like, it just sets a different tone. And it's like, some of that stuff is so simple. You just have a, you know, you just have a channel, you have whatever CD. Right. But it sets the mood in the whole class. Especially anxiety, you feed off of everyone. So if it's chaos and there's a lot of like, okay, and I know they have a lot to do, teachers, of course, but if you can do it in a way that calms kids down, they're actually more effective. And kids will do better if they're calm, I mean, period. So things like that, it's just a tone. It, you still get the same amount of work done, 
but you do it in a way that kids are able to kind of just relax. And it's funny, kids will say, yeah, my, the teacher who plays music, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good, you know, so just little things like that. And plus, I mean, there's a lot of tools. I work with teachers a lot um, and just tell them, like, you know, here's, here are things you can do. Um, a lot of that is giving kids an out when they're really stressed out. If you can get out of the classroom for three minutes and come back, so it's just, you just go, and kids will can reset. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that, but it's just the overall tone to me is the most important thing. Yeah, I like that. I think it comes back to just building that that culture, that, that, that environment where, you know, it feels safe, you know, and definitely yes. that's, that, that's one piece to that puzzle. Um, and music, I mean, there's all sorts of research about the power of music, um, you know, if you want to find it. Um, so what would be, so if, if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you want to learn more, obviously I know the first step would be to read the book, but what would be some other resources or, or coping strategies or things that, 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 that a parent could go and, and check out to continue this, this journey. So like I've read your book and I've got pages and pages of notes um, and things that I'm trying, but you know, then like, like what else, what, what would be some other places or, or paths or avenues to uh, explore? Well, one book I love and I recommend it almost daily is the highly sensitive child. Um, 90% of kids who have anxiety are also highly sensitive. And when I tell people to read that book, they come back the next week and go, whoa. They, so they've read so much about anxiety, but they had, they did not read about sensitivity. And those are so, it's, it's sort of one of the same. And so it's like, well, you know, my kid's highly sensitive, and parents actually parent better um, because of that book. So that's one avenue. Then the other thing is to keep, which I love birdseed um, with Ian, because you have to keep the mind engaged. So in the summer, you can't expect anxious kids to just be happy and peaceful because their minds are going 100 miles an hour. So I always say, engaged, engaged, engaged. Give them, I told a parent the other day, buy a 24-pack of Play-Doh and a big board from Michael's. You know, one of those big foam or cardboard huge poster boards and say, honey, create a city. And she came back the next week. She's like, yeah, we're good. (laughs) The The daughter goes home. She creates this world, this city with Play-Doh and markers, and she's like, she's happy. And I'm like, yeah, because she has something to think about. Right. So those sorts of things, you got to give kids something. This whole, they're calm, they're not really thinking. Not to, anxious kids are going to think all the time. Right. It's just they have to change what they think about. Um, so. I like that. Yes. That's, those are the, the biggies, you know. Yeah. So what's, if you start to bring this to a close here. So what's probably through all the work that you do, what's the most important to you um, when it comes to your work? I mean, why is it that, why, why do you do what you do? Well, I do what I do because I was that kid. Um, and my mom was that parent. <laughs> I was a great parent. She had no idea what to do with me, basically. Um, and when I was four, I started worrying about things and, you know, future far things. And it just, that's what I do, you know, what I do is because I wanted to help kids like me. And to me, the point is empowerment. If you can, the, my whole goal with working with a child is giving them tools. And when they leave, they think, okay, I can, I can handle this. And just knowing that you have something in your back pocket eases anxiety. And so my, you know, most of this is generalized anxiety, which means it's going to be there. I just want to empower, give kids tools, give parents tools and let them 
these kids are going to be so successful, these smart, anxious ones. I'm like, you guys are going to rule the world. You just have to be able to channel this, you know? So to me, that's that's the best case scenario for me. It's not that anxiety goes away, but they know how to manage it. Right. And I love that answer because I was just, I've been working on a blog post and it's, it's still a very rough form, but it, it's around that idea of that, that empowerment and providing, you know, this, this toolbox of things for kids, you know, and going to, you know, what is the main purpose of, of education? Why do we have kids come to school every day for eight, eight hours a day or whatever it might be, you know, and is it so much that we cram their head with, with facts and information or is it more that we're equipping them to be able to handle life, you know, and whether it's we're dealing with anxiety or problem solving um, or how to come up with innovative solutions or how to work with people, you know, and, and there's this constant kind of battle. And everybody has their own philosophies, you know, but I'm, I'm starting to, I guess, really, really become more of an advocate for that, that learning process where, you know, maybe it's not so important to know every single president. But more, you know, if I don't know, how do I go about finding that information? Or I'm really stressed for a test. Do I just freak out or do I have the tools? Have I, have I been given the, the tools and, and the opportunity to learn how to deal? Um, and I think that, that this book and the tips and tools that you offer are things that we really need to work with kids with, you know, in schools. Um, because the reality is not everybody has enough time. And I know it's easy to say make time. You know, but if you're, if you're a family and both parents are working or you're a single parent family raising, you know, more than one kid, it's tough. And so these are things that I think could help the education process as well as help parenting and help kids and their well-being. I mean, there's a whole gamut of things and they're so simple, you know, and I think that's what I, what I love best about the book, all the tools. You know, they don't, they don't take much time. They don't take much effort, um, but they can be very impactful. Um, with what we're doing. Is there anything, any other ideas that you have that, that you want to get out there for people that will be listening into this um, or checking out the video that we didn't cover? Because there's there's so much, but I think the key thing is they have to go out and read the book. Um, so I'm really highly promoting this book uh, because I think it's, it's, it's really worthwhile. But is there something that, that you want to get out there? I always like to make sure I leave that, 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 that window open for you. Speaking, and, and I find that if I can just get in front of people, that the information is more meaningful. You know, the book is great, but if I can get, so I'm doing a lot of that. Um, and that, to me, I'm, I'm going to parent groups, but I'm going to kids. And as a teacher and school counselor, like I love that environment to get in front of kids and say, "Look, I get it. I was there. I remember what it was like. Here's what you can do. You're going to be okay." Right. And to me, that's when kids, when I can see kids, like. You know, look at me and go, really? I'm like, yeah, you're going to be all right. Here's what you, you know, let's try this. To me, that's the most meaningful. So I'm kind of, I mean, I do a lot of work in my practice and I do a lot of writing, but in front of people, it, it just, it, it's to me the most meaningful thing I'm doing currently is just trying to get in front of people. So I'm doing a lot of that and that's, that's important. And, and I'm always writing, so I'll be, I'll be working on future things. Awesome. Yeah, and there's definitely that, the power of face to face is something that, and technology and the written word can never quite replace. There's something about, you know, that person-to-person interaction that I think is, you know, you just got to be part of it to, to feel the energy and the vibe um, of whatever happens. So 
Well, thank you so much for your time. I greatly, greatly appreciate you carving out some time out of your day um, to speak with us about this. Um, 